Hello, beloved. This is Pastor Steve Castle. I'm so honored that you've chosen to listen to us today. If there's any additional information that you need, please visit our website at www.belovedchurchillinois.com. We thank you that you are continuing to give God an opportunity to minister to your hearts. He has amazing, wonderful plans for your life. We would love to join you on the journey of you finding out the depths of the relationship that you could have with Him. You were created in His image for a beautiful purpose, and He wants to show you that purpose. We continue to believe God with you and for you to accomplish that goal. If you're in the area, please stop by. Remember, at Beloved Church, this is the place where you are greatly loved. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Let me, let me start out. So this, is, uh, this message is called Corona Lie Number 3. I am going to beat this lie back into the pit of hell. If you're out there and you're super offended by my titles calling things Corona Lie, you like, uh, might be thinking, like, I don't think that it's actually happening or that you know, it's some kind of a conspiracy theory. That it's not. No, that's not what I'm saying Corona Lie. What I'm saying Corona lie for is because sickness, disease, pandemic, epidemic, any of those things, those are from hell. Those are from hell. Sickness is from hell. Disease is from hell. Viruses are from hell. And everything from hell comes from the, from the God of hell, the father that Jesus said is the father of lies. Therefore, everything from hell comes from the God of hell, who Jesus said is the father of lies. Therefore, everything that comes from him is a lie. So coronavirus, COVID-19, it is a lie. And we are called into this world by our God to destroy lies. And so I want to encourage you, um, I'm not trying to be... You know, I'm not trying to, to, to stir up problems and make people think I'm some kind of weirdo and I don't actually know that people are, are hurting and suffering. No, the reason that I am so passionate about preaching this gospel, about working against the lies of hell, about, about still being a church and staying connected in these times, the reason for all of that is because of the hurting and suffering people that are out there. I am raising up people, I'm raising up a church that is going to be bold and courageous about putting the hands of, putting their hands, which are the hands of the kingdom, onto hurting, suffering, sick and diseased people and seeing the power of God manifest in their lives. That's why I'm passionate about this. That's why I'm calling it a lie. And that's why I'm working against the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of lies in this time and in this season. I have diverted nearly all of my attention to destroy what is trying to destroy our nation, what is trying to destroy our economy, and what is trying to destroy people's lives. And I believe that as a, as a minister of the gospel... I have a mandate from heaven and a requirement from my Father to make sure that I absolutely do this with all of my heart. I have poured everything I've got into fighting against this lie and fighting against its effects in people's lives. And I would invite you and encourage you to reject every lie from hell, including COVID-19. Inoculation. Let me give you the definition of inoculation. 
While I'm giving you the definition of inoculation, please go to Luke chapter 13. If you do not have a Bible, then I would encourage you to get your electronic device that you don't have in your hand watching this Facebook Live. Um, get your electronic device or, or have one of your kids run off and get their kid's Bible or something. I want you to go to Luke chapter 13. This is the definition of inoculation. That is the message today inoculation. I'm going to literally, spiritually, physically, and soulishly inoculate every single person that is willing, willing to open up their heart to what these words are. These are not my words. These are going to be the words of the king, and they carry with them power. Ecclesiastes said, where the, where the word of a king is, there is power. And there's power that's going to be released to this. Inoculation, the definition is an act or an instance of inoculating, especially, listen, especially the introduction of an antigenic substance or a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease. The Lord wants to produce in you through what I'm, I'm going to minister and through these truths of the kingdom, he wants to minister to you an immunity to disease. Now, this says specific disease, but my intentions are to get you immune to all disease, to all sickness, to all poverty, to all lack, to all oppression, and to all depression. Because every one of these things are the works of hell. And I am going to inoculate you from the works and the effects of hell, if you stay with me. Luke chapter 13, if you found it, say amen. (laughs) Yes, I do have a few people here that are helping me make this happen. Praise God for them. In verse 10, Luke chapter 13, verse 10. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. A spirit of infirmity. Infirmity means weakness or sickness. And obviously a spirit. um, The two applications of the word spirit is either an attitude or an actual spiritual personality. And in this case, it was an actual spiritual, a spiritual personality, a literal spiritual being that was affecting her with weakness and sickness, so much so that it literally physically bent her body over. And I know that we, that I'm probably ministering, the majority of the people that are watching me now are probably Americans. And you probably think, there's no such thing as spirits anymore. There's no such thing as demons anymore. And I'm sorry that, that you are ignorant. <laughs> because there absolutely is still the same uh, battles in the heavenlies today as there was ten days after Jesus' ascension. There, there is no more, no less demons, no more, no less spiritual personalities, no less principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. These are the things that we are wrestling against, and there's no more, no less then than there is now. 
There are still demons in America. There are still spiritual personalities in America. There are still principalities. There are still powers. If you are, if, if you are avoiding that, if you are naive to that, I can tell you that you are currently being defeated. That is what's going on right here. This pandemic is not about a sickness. It's not about a coronavirus. This is a pandemic of fear. This is a spiritual personality of fear that is trying to get into the world and take over and dominate the world. And beloved, listen to me. Do not bow your knee to the spirit of fear in any way, at any time, for any reason. You give that spiritual personality an ability to come in and rule and reign in any part of your life, and he will absolutely take over every part of your life. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. You yield to fear, fear brings death. It doesn't just have to be physical. It's financial death. It's relational death. It's soulish, uh, emotional death. There is a lot of different workings of death that you can yield to by yielding to the personality of death. In this specific instance in Luke, we were talking about a personality of weakness and sickness that she had for 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. This is important. There was no way for her to ever bring healing to herself. I, I, I really want to drill down here. I can't because I have to move really fast because today we're going to do some really powerful things. But I want to say this. If you have hope that you or medical science is going to bring you security and healing, you are in a very, very dangerous and precarious place. Medical science has no healing. All they can do is deal with the effects of natural things. You personally, in yourself, in your, in your flesh, you have no ability to lift yourself up. It is you that got you in the mess. You can't rescue yourself because you're the one that got you there. And this scripture makes it really clear. She could in no wise. You know what this means? She tried. She, she had a chiropractor. She had a, a medical doctor. She had a, she, whatever was available in her time to get the effects of this spiritual entity to leave her alone. She tried everything and failed. If you're out there and you feel like you've tried everything to release yourself from the pressures and from the weights and from and the, the oppression, depression, sickness, disease, poverty, whatever's going on in your life, if you feel like you've literally tried to do everything, you've exhausted everything you know to do, I have great encouragement for you. Jesus. Jesus, he has no problem lifting your burden, healing your sickness, dealing with your disease, and bringing wealth into your life. Verse 12, and when Jesus saw her, and let me say this real quick, 
Jesus knows what's going on in your life. He's watching. He's watching. Amen. He knows everything that's going on in your life. And he's watching. He called her to him. This is totally normal. Jesus right now is probably calling out to you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Matthew chapter 11. And he said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. I would like to point out real quick that uh, Jesus did not pray some long prayer. Jesus did not stomp around the synagogue. Jesus didn't kick any walls. Jesus didn't raise his voice. Jesus didn't try to pull down spiritual principalities and powers. Jesus was so confident in what was in him that he easily dismissed the effects of this spiritual personality on this woman. It was literally like just another sentence for the Lord. Beloved, Jesus is our example. We should have the exact same confidence that Jesus has. We have the same Father. We have the exact same Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, 11, dwells in your mortal bodies. You have the same Spirit that Jesus has. You have the same Father that Jesus has. You have the same commission to this world that Jesus has. Why shouldn't you be easily dismissing the effects on people's lives? And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. Immediately. One of the things that healing brings is the next statement. She glorified God. You want to bring glory to God? Bring healing. Nobody ever in sickness and disease has ever brought glory to God. Sickness and disease brings glory to Satan. Healing, deliverance, restoration, redemption, these are things that bring glory to God. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted, beloved. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. This is, I'm going to drill into today, if you pay attention. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because that, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed. And do not come on a pandemic do not come on a social distancing. Do not come in a shelter-in-place time and try to bring your weird spiritual activity here, Jesus. We got this figured out. We don't need you coming and messing with our program and causing problems because we've got this all handled. And you know what? It must have been going through the Lord's mind. Yeah, you got it handled. Here's a gal 18 years, broken. You got it handled. This is, <laughs> beloved, I want you to follow me. The world's got it handled. Here's the solution. Hide. 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 If you hide really good, and listen, if you hide and, and, and you hide your hands in latex, 
and you hide your body in a hazmat suit, and you hide your breath in a mask, if you hide really, really good, this whole thing might go away. The world has it handled. Beloved, don't believe the lie. Don't you dare believe that lie. Latex cannot save you. Hazmat suits cannot save you. Face masks cannot save you. And hiding in your closet like a coward cannot save you. You give fear an opportunity and he will go through walls. He'll go through masks. He'll go through hazmat suits. He will go through latex and he will find you. But if you take authority over him and his effects, the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of fear, you will rule over him. Don't allow this thing to get messed up. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places. We are seated on a throne. And Jesus is ever expecting for his body to make his enemies his footstools. And so the, all of the people in charge, the government of that day told Jesus, stop it. Don't go out there and be healing people. Don't go out there and be touching people on the Sabbath day. Don't you break our rules because we've got this all figured out. And here's this poor lady broken for 18 years because the government had it figured out. The Lord then answered and said, you hypocrite. Um, Just in case you're wondering, the Lord did not shy away from calling a spade a spade. He he wasn't the fluffy, um, back of the Sunday school, long-haired, blue-eyed, sitting on a rock, petting a sheep Jesus that most of us think that he is. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is the same Jesus that when John seen him in Revelation chapter 1, John fell at his feet as if he was dead. He passed out from the physical, visual understanding of who Jesus was. Jesus was no sissy. Jesus was no coward. And Jesus did not mince words. He called true, true. When he said hypocrite, he was talking to the government system that day. He was not submitted to the governmental system of his day because he was submitted to his father. Amen. I hope that sits down on you a little bit. He violated the law and brought healing to this woman. Maybe one more time. He disobeyed the law and brought healing to a woman that his heart was drawn to. And the Lord said unto him, You hypocrite! I dare say there's a ton of Christians out there that are acting in hypocrisy right now. 
Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? This would be the equivalent in today's world by saying that there's essential things that you can do, but the non-essential things don't do those. What kingdom calls essential things is healing the sick. What the world calls essential things is having a liquor store open to kill people, to having Planned Parenthood open to kill babies, and to have the marijuana dispensary open so people can fry their brains. That's hypocrisy. Jesus would say the same thing today as he said then. Doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? If it's important to you, you you know we're doing this right now in our society. What we're saying is, if it's important to me, I deem it essential. If it's essential to me, I have permission to go and do it. But then when somebody else, like Beloved Church, deems it essential for us to gather together, to be a family, to experience each other physically, to go out into our world and lay hands on the sick, other people call that non-essential. My Father in Heaven calls it essential. And he said, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has bound these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Whose Satan has bound. Whose Satan has bound. Let me say this, beloved. If we allow our world to be bound by this pandemic, bound in fear, bound in sickness, you realize that that's the equivalent of us giving Satan permission to rule our neighbors, our family, our community, our government. Jesus specifically rescued this woman from the work of Satan by bringing healing to her, by taking authority over the spirit that was affecting her life. This is what we're called to do, beloved. Verse 17, And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed. And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. All of his adversaries were ashamed, but all the people rejoiced. Beloved, if you go out on your streets tomorrow, if you go into your workplaces tomorrow, if you go into your family um, environments tomorrow, and you bring healing to people in those environments, the government will be ashamed, the rulers will hate you, and the people that you brought healing to will rejoice. And I'll tell you, one of those three things is the most important thing. The Lord has no fear of man. He has zero concern of what the opinions of man are. Because he is absolutely secure in his identity and his character. And he's going to accomplish what needs to be accomplished through his people, regardless of what man's opinion is of those things. So, God actually gave us the ability to create this immunity in our lives. Let me give you the definition of the immune system. 
the complex of cells, cellular processes, and substances within and diffused throughout an organism, which allows the organism to counteract or destroy noxious foreign substances introduced into the body. Destroy infectious agents such as bacteria and viruses, destroy malignant cells, and remove cellular debris, thus protecting the organism against many of the potentially harmful external agents and internal events that could lead to sickness and death. That is the actual definition out of the dictionary of your immune system. God literally created an entire system in your physical body to defeat sickness and disease and even things that go wrong internally in your body. I want you to follow this. God literally created you with the ability to defeat anything from the outside that tries to get in and to defeat anything on the inside that goes wrong. You were created with this system on the inside of you. And I am going to boost it. I'm going to literally hack into your immune system. And I am going to dump into it the grace of God. And it is going to have powerful effects in your body, in Jesus' name. So here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to try to do this fast in Jesus' name. If you're out there and you are not good at doing Bible drills and you can't flip through your Bible very fast, you're going to have to just listen. This is I'm going to upload this video later. You can listen to it as many times as you want. We're also going to have this video on our YouTube channel. Our YouTube channel is Beloved Church Media. If you go to YouTube, you can go to Beloved Church Media. You can subscribe there and you can go back and you can hear all the powerful things that, uh, that we've been preaching for years and years that have been bringing healing and, and prosperity and deliverance into people's lives. You are welcome to go and listen all you want. What else are you going to do? <laughs> Amen. And so I want to minister something. I want to literally go down a list real quick, as quick as I know how to, and I'm going to give you the dynamics and, and the verses that verify that we are currently living in the finished work of the cross. And we need to stop asking God to do things that he did. If you ever ask God to heal you, you are slapping the finished work of Jesus in the face. I know I'm pausing to let that sink in, even though there's six people here. But I really want you to get that. If you're asking God to give you money, you're slapping the finished work of the cross in the face. If you're asking God to give you peace, you're slapping the finished work of the cross in the face. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 7. For he that is dead is free from sin. So here's point number one about the finished work of the cross. You died. <laughs> if you're out there and you, are, you have put your trust into Jesus Christ for your soul, for your eternity, um, let, me, let, me, let me give you an annotation of the heavenly perspective of that process. 
When you came and you put your trust into Jesus, be it you said a prayer with someone, um, you just confessed that Jesus is your Lord, um, whatever that process was for you. And some of some folks have these really, really powerful encounters where just, I mean, everything just explodes and, and lights and whistles and angels singing and, and feelings and goosebumps. And then some other people just make a decision in their heart. I was going to live my life for Satan. Now I'm determined to live my life for Jesus. Anywhere along that spectrum that you find yourself, if you made that decision that Jesus is your Lord and that your faith is completely in what he's done and not in what you can do or have done, if you're there, then the heavenly perspective of what happened to you is you died. You died. The scriptures say that it is appointed to every man once to die, and then the judgment. Every single human being that's ever been born dies and will be judged. Period. Scriptures say it. The difference is I died on purpose by coming to the cross, and my judgment was placed on Jesus. And so my death is done and my judgment is done because I've placed all of my trust in the Lord. <clears throat> Colossians 3.3 3 says the exact same things. You died and now you are alive in Him. Let me read this to you real quick. So that you don't think I'm making this up. Colossians 3.3 says, For ye are dead. Ye, in regular American, is you. You are dead. And your now life is hid in Christ. In God. And I know that you might be out there thinking, Oh yeah, that's all, that's all spiritual. Um, can I tell you this? Like, God is a spirit. So, what that means is that spirit is the real. If God is a spirit, Jesus said that, John chapter 4, that, the, that God is a spirit. That means spirit is the real. And everything else is just temporal. Your life on this earth is literally a shadow. It is a projection of the real you. Either the real you from heaven being projected onto this planet or the real you from hell of the Father being projected on this planet. This existence here is a projection of the real you. The real Steve Castle is a spirit who lives in this carcass and has a soul. The real Steve Castle is a spirit. This is why um, some people literally live above the influence of what's going on in this world. I have zero fear. I have zero trepidation. I have zero insecurity about anything pandemic. I mean anything. Nothing. I don't have a, I don't have a fear one about getting a virus. I don't have a fear one about my, my economics having any, any, any issues in accordance to what the world is going through? Zero. 
nothing. Any effect that they want to try to project onto, onto you, they're trying to project the same things onto me, and I have zero fear. Zero. Because I know who I really am. I'm so aware of the spiritual aspect of who I am, of where I'm really seated, of who the Lord Jesus Christ has made me to be, that these things, they're just, like, they just come and go. It's just sun up, sun down. But heaven, (laughs) heaven is unchanged by the condition of this world. And so I just choose to allow that to be my reality. And listen, I'm not, I'm not making like Steve Gassel sound out to be like this super awesome spiritual guy. You have the same permission to live there. And I can tell you that I know a ton, ton of people that live there. I'm not going to say names and do all that and call folks out. But I'm telling you, I know a ton, ton of people that just live there. That this world come and go. They, if they want to experience hell and pandemic and, and fear and sickness and, and depression and, and, and uh, financial uh, destruction, that's them. And listen, if you make your home here and you really have your heart connected here, that's why in Colossians it says that you need to have your thoughts and your heart fixed on those things which are above. So that you're not drawn to these things that are here. If your, if your peace, if your economic peace is based upon what the stock market does or doesn't do, based upon what your pay rate is or isn't, based upon what your pension company says they do or do not do, if your peace, your financial peace is in those things, you are setting yourself up for a ulcer. For a literal ulcer. Because every one of those things, you realize the stock market lost 30%. 30% of the wealth of the U.S. stock market was gone in less than 60 days. Man, I, I hope that shakes you. I hope that shakes you. I hope that brings a reality to you that if you've put your trust, your hope, or your faith in anything outside of heaven, if you've made your home, if you live somewhere outside of heaven, you are literally subjecting yourself to the torment that this world offers with an incessant amount of ability to affect your life. Don't do it, beloved. Resist. Resist, I say. (laughs) Number two, you were born... From the earth, earthly, but now you are born above. And real quick, I want to say this. Not born from above. Born above. If you go to John chapter 3, and and I'm not going to go there because hopefully most of you know John chapter 3. Jesus literally was, he basically rebuked. The, one of the smartest religious people in the earth. He, it was Nicodemus. He was the leader of the synagogue. He literally was probably top ten smartest religious people on earth. And Jesus rebuked him because he didn't know literally the simplest of kingdom principles, which was, you were born of the womb of your mother earthly. And you can be born above of your father 
heavenly. And I know I'm, I should be probably preaching to the choir, but I need to make this clear. You're not born again. I know it says that in the King James and some other, uh, some other translations, but that's, a, that's a really a bad translation of what Jesus actually said. The, in the Greek, he said, born above. Some translations even say born from above, but that's not even true either. The word from is not in there. It's the words born above. And the reason that's important is because you were born of the exact same DNA, spiritual composition that your father has. Let me say this real quick. If two dogs have an offspring, we call it a puppy. And it is exactly comprised of the DNA of mom and dad. If two giraffes have an offspring, it is fully giraffe. If two hippopotamuses have a... And we can do this all day, beloved. We get that. So what happens if you were born above? Born of your father. What DNA do you have? What composition do you have? What are you made of? Now, I need, I need folks to get this, and that's why I'm pausing here. You, you would have no problem looking at a puppy and say, man, that puppy is just like its, its dog dad or its dog mom. In every way. It has a little bit of a different personality. We get that. But, for the mo- it is 99.9% a mixture of mom and dad. Why in the world would it be any different with you? If you are born of your Father in heaven, that is your composition. You are born of the God kind. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, that is, that should make you shout. The, the word says Jesus was specifically teaching Nicodemus. You are born above. The Father birthed you above. Above what? Above all. Above all. You are born above all. You are born above everything that your Father is born above. Look, let me drill that down to today. You are born above the system of sickness, disease, virus, germs. You are born above the system of cancer. You are born above the system of diabetes. You are born above the system of oppression and depression and and, and mental problems and schizophrenia and bipolar. You are born above that. You are born above an economic system that can collapse in 60 days. You are born above all. Jesus said, he who is, a, who is from above is above all. In case you don't know, all in the Greek means... <laughs> it's a lot better when the room is full. But all in the Greek means all. If you are born above all, then you're born above all. Listen, don't come down. Don't reduce yourself to the effects of this world. If God birthed you above, stay above. Stay above. I'm begging you. 
Do not slip into the fear, into the pandemic, into the, into the desperation, the panic of this world. Don't do it. You are the solution to this problem, this, this planet and the problems in this planet. You are not affected by the problems of this planet. Number three, you are literally seated in Christ. You are seated in Christ. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Look at there. Ryan's faster than me. Jesus said, these, are, these words would be in red if, uh, if you have a Bible that has red. It says, if you were of the world, then the world would love you. I want you to get this. This is what a lot of people look for. A lot of people just want affirmation. They want words of encouragement. They want everybody to like them. They want everybody to appreciate them. They want everybody to think good, flowery, flowing thoughts about you. It... And I, I don't have time to, to, to develop this, but I'm telling you, if that's your goal, then destruction is in your path. Because the world hates you today, loves you tomorrow, hates you Tuesday. That's the world. They are just as flippant, as, as, as moving as the winds and the wave of the sea, it says in James. They changed their opinion. Has anybody ever paid attention to Hollywood? Anybody ever paid attention to boy bands? Anybody ever paid attention to music? You are, how many people are looking to just be a one-hit wonder? If just everybody would love me just for a minute, I would be so, so filled. Don't do it. Those one-hit wonders that are out there, you, you do not want to be Millie Vanilli. If you don't know what I'm saying, Google it. That is not what your father has destined for you. Your father sees you in great value. He sees you as eternally valuable. This world sees you as temporarily disposable. Do not try to get the affection of this world. If you were of this world, the world would love his own. But because you are not, of this world. I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore the world hates you. This world does not like the thought that people that are supposed to be slaves to their system won't submit. The world wants you to be a slave to what they tell you to do, what they tell you to think what they tell you to drive, what they tell you to wear, what they tell you to smell like, to talk like, to look like. They want you to be a slave to everything they tell you. And then God comes along and says, no, that one's mine. And you say, Father! And He lifts you above this world system. And then your Father says, now, let me tell you what I created you to look like created you and empowered you to talk like, to walk like, and to look like. Now let me give you all the resources of heaven to accomplish that goal that I have in your life. That divine destiny that I created you for. That's what your Father comes to say. Ephesians 2.6 
Ephesians 2.6. And He has raised us up together and made us sit. I love that language. Made us sit together in heavenly places. I could, I've literally had like visions of this where the Father where I get all like antsy and nervous and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta go and I gotta, I gotta fix and I gotta, you know, I'm a man and, and I'm a mechanic and, and I like to, I like tools and I like to build stuff and I like my garage and I, and, and I was a manager for 20, oh my gosh, 30 some years. And you know, like my, one of the things that I struggle with in my life is like fixing things and, and getting involved and, and saying stuff when I see things wrong, and and if it's broken, and go and get it, and 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 I can I cannot tell you how many times I've had a vision of the Father saying, "Sit, rest, sit down in Christ, sit where you belong, stay where you belong. Don't you get nervous? Don't get up and run out of the room." Don't be moving around. You sit in my grace. You sit in my love. You sit in my gaze. Sit with me. This is Mary and Martha, beloved. Martha busy and cumbered about many things. Mary seated at the feet of her Savior, listening to the identity and the affirmation that her Savior had to teach her. You are there. That's not somewhere you need to go and get to. That's where you are. And I believe the Father is saying to you, sit, you rest in me. You rest in my finished work. This is not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. Number four. This is going to be really, really difficult to swallow. And I pray that you get this. Let me tell you this. Everything I'm ministering to you right here and right now, you don't get this by teaching. You don't get this by preaching. You don't get this by knowledge. The only way for you to get what I'm saying to you today is by revelation. That's why I challenged everybody, make sure that while you're at home and distracted by the things going on in the kitchen and the dog doing the things and and all the stuff that you can be distracted with in your house, if you do not drill your heart down to what we're doing here, you're going to miss this. This is just going to be another sermon, you know, just another Sunday Another another cool word on the internet, just another random preacher out there, blah, blah, blah. And this has to get into you by revelation. The only way for revelation to get into you is for you allow the revealing of Jesus Christ to take place by your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears. This don't come by teaching. You know, I could probably teach anybody through the scriptures, about it being God's will to be healed. I could probably teach anybody, even the most cantankerous people, and, and there's a ton of them out there, 
the most debating and cantankerous and, and self-absolved people that just think like, you know, God wants you poor and miserable. I could literally take the scriptures and shred them and show them that God's desire for his people is wealth. And maybe they would even concede. But here's the thing. I cannot teach you about the finished work of the cross. You have to get this by revelation, by the lips of your Father, as he speaks this over your identity. And I'm telling you, I have people here that have been with me for years at Beloved Church, even leaders. And I know that really when it comes down to it, when, when the rubber meets the road, and when their backs are up against a wall, and they have to lean into these revelations to bring peace and power in their lives, I know some of them struggle. And I have no, no judgment for that, no condemnation for that. I'm just telling you that you don't get this by teaching. I don't care how long you sit under the teaching of the finished work of the cross. You don't get these things by teaching. You get these things by revelation. And this one, this particular point, is going to really challenge a ton of you. Number five. I'm sorry, number four. You are the healer, not the one that needs healing. Okay. Well, it's doing pretty good in this room. I don't know how it's doing in your room. I'm not going to turn to these scriptures um, except for uh, except for one of them. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna lay this out, and you go later, and you look this up in your own Bible. Um, Isaiah 53 uh, Isaiah 53 4 says prophetically that the Savior, the Messiah, the one that's going to come and save us all, that He is going to take stripes on his back and those stripes are going to purchase healing for people. Now, I've heard a lot of people try to spiritualize that. No, it was spiritual healing, which I would love for someone to explain to me what a spiritual healing is. To this day, I still to this day have no idea what a spiritual healing is. I know what spiritual death is, and I know what spiritual life is. A spirit can't get wounded. You don't, you don't get a, an arm decapitated in your spirit. You, there's no spiritual cancer. There's no spiritual runny nose. There's no such thing as spiritual healing. You're either dead or you're alive in the spirit. So people try to say, well, it's soul healing. Okay, Um, time to get into the ignorance of that. But let me just say this. Matthew 8, 17, the Bible, interpreting the Bible, says that these stripes and the healing that they brought specifically are accounted to physical healing. The entire chapter of Matthew 8 was Jesus healing different people. And what's really cool is Matthew 8 has starts out with a leper, which is the most communicable disease known to all of mankind at that time. And its mortality rate. Listen, coronavirus, the mortality rate for coronavirus is about 1%. I know the news says 2%, but I'm telling you, they're lying. I can't give you all the information. I'm telling you, they're lying. 
The mortality rate for coronavirus is less than 1%. Less than 1%. The mortality rate for biblical leprosy was 100%. You got leprosy, you died. And you usually died horrific, excruciating, painful, miserable death. Jesus healed that by touching it. Jesus healed that by touching it. That's how Matthew 8 starts. Then he heals Peter's mother-in-law from a headache, from a fever. Fever and a headache. Um, for all you gals out there that are fighting against your, uh, your change of life, your, your seasons, and, and all the things that go on that you sometimes give permission to, you know, some fevers and some headaches and some, some body aches, stop it. Stop it. Do not give permission for the enemy for something as small as a headache or a fever, all the way up to permission for leprosy. Jesus healed it all through there. It's really cool. He heals like the most horrible, terriblest thing. And then he just like rescues Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. And then it goes down there and it says, this was all done to fulfill Isaiah 53.4. That specifically, it talks about healing. And then in Romans 8.11, we have this truth. That if the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body then it quickens your mortal body and makes you alive. You do not need healing. You are seated in the healer. You do not need healing. You are seated in the healer. So therefore, the only thing that you have to do with healing should be give it away. That's all you got. That should be all you got to do with healing. You shouldn't need it. You shouldn't pray for it. You shouldn't ask for it. You shouldn't beg it. You shouldn't seek it. You shouldn't go to the cool evangelist meeting where they might have it. You shouldn't be having dreams and visions of somebody laying hands on you so you could get it. You should see yourself in Revelation, seated in the healer, surrounded by the healer, completely overwhelmed by the healer, saturated by the healer, same identity as the healer, and the only thing that you should be thinking about healing is it's in your hands and it needs to get onto this world. Mark sixteen eighteen says, And they, you, believers shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing... Listen, this literally says, if you drink arsenic, you should not have any concerns of any kind for it affecting your health. If you can drink arsenic, and you shouldn't be concerned in any way about your health, why in the world would you not be able to go outside your house and go about your normal life even though the world is fearful of coronavirus. If you can drink arsenic and Jesus has a promise for you that it would have no effect on you, how in the world could you be affected by a virus? You shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. You shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. It doesn't say you shall lay hands of God on the sick. 
You shall lay your hands on the sick and God promised they'll be healed. Well, that's not what I've experienced, Pastor, and I haven't seen that. And let me tell you, but, 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 but. Okay. Do you want me to believe you or God? I really want to know. Do you really want me to believe you and your experiences, or do you want me to believe the Word of God? I'm just telling you right now, it's not really up for debate. My part, lay my hands on sick people. Their part, receive it. God's part, healing. Pretty darn simple. Pretty darn simple. Why have we made this so complex that we've literally talked people out of healing? Ah, i got to move. Number five, you actually identify as a child of God. This isn't something that you'll become one day. This is something that you currently are right now. You need to get this. If you knew, you actually knew that you were a child of God. Like, you don't turn it into a poem or some goofy song or, I'm a child of God. No, no, no. I'm like, like you're a son of God. <laughs> Amen. I know that the silence is because of the empty rule, but I need you to really get this. You're not some, like, stepchild of God. Some, some red-headed reject. You're not some, like, like God was like, ah, God, Steve, well, I can't let him go to hell. Well, I guess we'll just, what do you think, Jesus? I don't know. He's really, really a jerk. Okay, here's what we'll do. We'll make him like a son. But we won't let him know like he's not actually a son. He's just some adopted, um, completely worthless. Like, we'll bring him into like barely saved category. And I'm telling you, there's a bunch of people out there that live in this, that live in that kind of condemnation and guilt, thinking like they're just barely squeaking in. They're just, they're just maybe, you know, like an adopted, partial, like one one hundredth son of God. John one twelve. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become. The huos in Greek. The huos of God. Which means son of God. Doesn't mean stepson. Doesn't mean adopted son. Doesn't mean partial 50%, 1%. Doesn't even mean 99%. It means offspring of God. You are a huos, son of God. What can this world do to a son of God? Uh, number six, 
You are loved equally by the Father as Jesus is. John chapter 17. This is uh, what I call the high priestly prayer. This was the departing prayer that I thought was really awesome that is in the Scriptures for us all to learn from. Um, John chapter 17, verse 23. Jesus was praying to the Father and He said um, that I... In, the, in fact, let me read 22 because these next two points go together. 22 and 23. And the glory which You gave Me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Number one, you have the same glory that Jesus has. And if you don't know what that is, go read the Mount of Transfiguration. That's your glory. That's your glory. No, we can't. We, no man can, can take the glory of God. He'll share his glory with no man. You're right. He doesn't share it with man. He shares it with sons. Man can't have the glory of God. Ask Moses. Just makes your skin glow. You've got to have a veil. But Jesus can have the glory of God. Why? He's a son. Sons get glory by inheritance. Moses had glory by reflection. Verse 23. I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect in love. You are supposed to be made perfect in love that the world may know that you have sent me and has loved them as you love me. Get this. The Father is praying, please, Father, let them understand. Give them a reality of. Give them a revelation that they are literally loved exactly the same as I am. Do you get that out there, beloved? You are loved equally as Jesus is. Not are, is. You have the same glory. You have the same love. I'm going uh, to go to number eight and I'm going to quit. You recognize the command, uh, I'm sorry, that the same quality and quantity of life that Jesus has is now yours. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. 1 John 5, 4, 5, 11. And this is the record that God has given to us, has, not will, has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. You, you, you see how clear this is? Okay, so God gave you eternal life, and it's the same life that's in His Son. So you don't get like some hand-me-down life. You don't get some like back... You know, when I was a kid, I had two older brothers, and so I got hand-me-down everything. Hand-me-down shirts, hand-me-down pants, hand-me-down shoes, hand-me-down underwear. I had hand-me-down everything. This isn't hand-me-down life. This is the exact same life in Him that you have been given in you. The same quality and quantity of life that Jesus has is right now resident in you. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And verse 13. 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. This life is in you because you believe in Jesus. Not because you worked hard, not because you tithe, not because you are the most faithful church attender, not because you're, you did good stuff, fed the poor. You know, do, what, it's in you because you believe on Jesus. What is the works that we need to do? Someone asked Jesus one time, and if you're out there and you're in ministry, here's what you hear all the time, pastors. What do we need to do, pastor? Pastor, please just tell me what to do. What should I do? <laughs> And I've had people literally get mad and cry and stomp out of my office because I told them what Jesus said. Believe. Believe in Jesus. That's, I, I do that and it's still not working. I don't want to be the one to kind of point out the obvious, but Jesus said that if you believe on Him, the works that He do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do. So Jesus said that if you're believing, then all these things are working. Well, I tried that. <laughs> you don't try believing. <laughs> believing's not like a popsicle flavor where you suck on it for a while and say, well, I don't like that one. It, it, believing is all of your heart. It's fully trusting. You either believe that Jesus has healed you and you're seated in the healer, or you don't. And you're influenced by sickness, disease, panic, and pandemic, and fear. I'm going to end with this. Um, a lot of people are out there and they're saying, if this is really true, if this, if all these things that you're saying, preacher, this sounds way too good to be true. I know, that's the gospel. But if this is really, really true, then why don't we just go out there? Why doesn't everybody get healed all the time? Why don't we fix the whole world? Why don't we just speak some words and, and pronounce these powerful things and just, and just, you know, boom, pixie dust and Peter Pan never, never land and everything's converted. I'm going to show you the answer to your question. And then we're going to deal with what's in your heart. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. And he could, he, Jesus is the he, he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. The reason Jesus couldn't even get done on this earth what he wanted to get done as it related to bringing these realities into people's lives, because they didn't believe. Amen. The truths that I'm telling you, if you get these by revelation, everything changes. Nothing's impossible to him that believes. If you take that statement and you reverse it, you know what that means? Everything is impossible if you don't believe. Everything is impossible if you don't believe. But, if you believe, all things are possible. Everything I just told you is scripturally sound. That's why I wanted to take the time to go through the verses. Everything I just told you is in the book. The same book that you believe has given you the words that you need in order to bring salvation, eternal salvation to your life. These are the same words. And the reason Jesus could not do mighty miracles in his own hometown was because they just couldn't believe 
that this kid, this carpenter's son, could be the Messiah, could literally be the Son of God. They didn't believe it. So they didn't get it. If you believe it, you get it. Believe and receive, doubt and do without. What was Jesus' solution to the problem in his own hometown? Verse 6, And he went round about the villages teaching. What's the solution to the unbelief in your heart? Listen to these kind of messages. Allow them to teach your mind. Allow them to teach your soul. And then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. If you allow these words to literally become a part of your DNA, become a part of your belief system, become a part of what you believe your Father has done through the finished work of the cross in your life, you will have all of this truth manifest in your life. If you reject this, you're loved by God, you'll go to heaven. You'll probably get there faster because you're going to get sick and die. It's just true. I am trying to encourage you to believe in the finished work of the cross. Here's the other thing, too. You probably have your favorite preacher. I'm preaching to a bunch of people on the Internet, which is some kind of awkward. But let me say this. You probably have your favorite Internet preacher out there. If this isn't what they're preaching, you are going to put your heart into conflict. And you are probably going to go with what you used to go with. And you're probably going to have what you've always had. And you better be very scared about this pandemic. But if you're willing to bring these truths in, and you're willing to only listen to words that are going to confirm and affirm to you the heart of your Father, His love for you, and the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to catapult yourself into a realm of life that you didn't know was even possible. And that's what I'm doing to you now. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to bless you. We do this every, every Sunday here at Beloved Church. I bless folks, and I declare and release the words of our Father over them. And I want to do this to you now. If you're out there, I would like for you to rise up. I know you might be in your jammies at your couch or whatever, but this is one of those things like when, when the, in, in the Old Testament, when the patriarchs would lay their hands on the children and pronounce the blessing, the children would stand and they would receive it. And I, I'm asking you to stand and receive what your Father has to say for you. To hold out your heart by holding out your hands. This is the universal sign of I'm ready to receive what you have. Now hear the words of your Father. Beloved, you who are greatly loved, I declare and proclaim above all things that you prosper and you experience divine health as you allow these truths, this revelation, to transform your soul. And bring it into prosperity. And I declare this over you in Jesus' name. Beloved, you are whole, you are healed, you are prosperous, you are filled with the Spirit of God, you have the DNA of God, and you are living in the finished work of the cross. Don't let any man deceive you. 
and take that philosophy away from you. Be whole in every way. I declare it to you. I love you. I cannot wait to physically see you. If you need anything out there, if you need someone to pray with you, if you need someone to believe with you, if you need someone to call you, if you need some kind of opportunity in your life to manifest, we, beloved church, are here for you. I want you to message me. I want you to call me. I want you to do whatever you got to do. You reach out in any way. I want this revelation to transform every aspect of your life. Please give the Lord Jesus Christ an opportunity to do that. I love you, and I can't wait to see you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.